My name is Louie, and I'm on every Friday night, 6 to 8 p.m. I have a live call-in talk show. Play a little classic rock. Talk about whatever we see on social media. And one thing for certain, if you're going to listen to my show every week, you're going to need a loud stereo. So we're going to start off playing a little Mr. Bob Seeger. Crank it up. That was Mr. Bob Seeger with a song called Old Time Rock and Roll. And once again, you're listening to Louie Lavin. I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. It's Friday night, 6 p.m. 
I hope you're all out of work for the week. Some people have to work Saturdays or Sundays or both. Hopefully not. But then again, it's nice to have a day off during the week too so you can go out and do things and it's not so crowded in the stores when you have to go out and run some errands. So hopefully your week is winding down. You're ready to go out and eat some good dinner and maybe have a cocktail or two and relax and enjoy the company of someone you love and cherish, right? Get the weekend started off, right? So, like I said, my show is on every Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. Play a little bit of classic rock. We discuss things that we see on social media. By the way, I have a group on Facebook called Louie Live, and if you'd like to join, I encourage everyone to join. We have members from all around the world, and it's a great place to showcase your music and get the word out there. And if you ever want to come on the show, just give me a holler and we'll set things up. We do that once in a while. My good friend George Murdy comes on with his wife Linda, who's been in the hospital for about four weeks now and uh, she was having an infection in her lungs and they had her in intensive care and we all have prayers going out to her and she's pretty tough that both of them are and we're praying that she gets better soon and gets out of the hospital and they can come on the show and play some of the music that they write George and Linda Murdy our prayers are all out there for them. They know that. But like I said, you can join my Facebook group called Louie Live. Showcase your music. Get your word out there. Artists are always looking to get their word out. You always support the arts. Everybody has a little bit of an artist in them. That's what's great about artwork. You can't really tell if somebody three years old did it, or somebody 90. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, is what they say. So we're gonna start the show off. A little light here. We'll get into some politics later on and some world and national news. And it's always my opinion. And a lot of people that sit around the kitchen table having a coffee or sharing a beer No politicians allowed in this show, folks. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't get a straight answer out of them if their life depended on it. A lot of corruption going on in the political world, as always, but seems like nowadays it's like tenfold. Seems like they're all in cahoots together. But we'll get into some of that stuff. So we'll start it off kind of light here. And this article says, a Florida man says, F it, I'm drunk, take me to jail after crashing into a cop car on his riding lawnmower, right? Can you figure that one out? Gonna do the crime, you're gonna do the time. I don't think you'd wanna be drunk on a riding lawnmower because, you know, he's gonna have one heck of a hangover when he wakes up the next morning, I would think. But it says uh, when Haines City police responded to a call at Rodriguez Fashion Convenience Store. They expected the trouble to be inside the store. But then the officer heard a loud noise come from outside 
and when he got back to the parking lot, he saw a 68-year-old man sitting on his lawnmower with bloodshot eyes. An arrest report reviewed by the Tampa Bay Times identified the man as Gary Anderson. Police said he struck the park patrol unit with a lawnmower, causing only minor damage to the bumper. <laughs> Not his day, definitely, right? The officer said Anderson confessed to hitting the car. He then reportedly said, F it, I'm drunk, take me to jail. Sounds like he's been there before, right, folks? Sounds like uh, he has a bit of a criminal background in a relationship with the police. So the police let Anderson attempt a breath test at the police department, and he failed again. Authorities said he tried to deceive the test and didn't provide an accurate sample. Huh. Wouldn't want to be him. He's got a long road ahead of him towards salvation. Because once they get a hold of you for DUI, be very expensive nowadays. This article says hot sandwiches can help students manage exam stress. Well, sandwiches have always helped me out a lot. Some of them are more of a comfort food than others. It's odd what people find as comfort foods. Some people like macaroni and cheese or chicken wings, some like hot spicy foods. It says right here, this is finals weeks for students at the University of Vermont. They can bring on stress, late nights, and poor diet choices. The Living Well Center, located in UVM's Davis Center, recruited counseling staffers to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for students. Well, that's a comfort food right there. Myself, personally, I could eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich every day. It's like eating a donut. It's like a treat, isn't it? But my kids, they never like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're always more into like having a plate with veggies on it and dipping it into ranch dressing or something like that. Totally opposite of their dad. Give me a jelly donut any day. That's pretty much what a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is, isn't it? Jelly donut, a little bit of peanut butter in it. It's all good. So it says, it only takes a couple of minutes to pick up a sandwich. But that's enough time to check in with a counselor and brainstorm ways to manage stress. And for them and for the campus, it's connecting. We know that when you connect with somebody in person, not online, that's beneficial to both your resilience and your mood and creates a community that is vital for students to succeed, said Dr. Harry Chen, the executive director of the UVM Center for Health and Wellbeing. I don't think it takes a doctor to tell you that one, does it? It's just common sense. So it says, besides sandwiches, counselors are also offering free massages, sharing study tricks, and they have therapy dogs ready to make friends. 
Well, that sounds pretty cool, don't it? Get yourself a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Then lay down and have someone give you a massage. Hang out with a therapy dog. Right? Where do I enroll for that? Sounds pretty good. This article right here, not so good. It says Colchester Avenue bike plan would reduce resident parking. And the city of Burlington is short several hundred parking spots as it is. So I don't think this is a good idea. Not at this moment for sure. When the city is down several hundred parking spots, you can't afford to get rid of any more. Bike lanes, I don't know. Bicycles are supposed to follow the laws of vehicles. So, if they're in a the street acting like a vehicle, then you don't need bike lanes. Personally, myself, I've always thought and I've said that bicycles belong on the sidewalk. Because if a bicycle is traveling down a road, and you've got a vehicle coming up behind you. And most likely nowadays, people are distracted. They're on their cell phones, right? They're on the phone talking to someone, or they're texting when they're not supposed to be. And even most cars nowadays have Bluetooth technology, so there's no need to have the phone in your hand. You can have hands-free conversations with people while you're driving. That is still legal. So if I'm driving my bicycle down the road, somebody's coming up behind me doing 30, 40 miles per hour, distracted, bam, they hit you, you go flying, chances are pretty good that you're going to be dead. It's only logic. The vehicle wins every time. The bicycle has rights too but the vehicle is like 2,000 plus pounds. You're never gonna win that war, folks. So, I tell people, you get on the sidewalk with your bicycle. A lot of the sidewalks in the city of Burlington, nobody even walks on them. They walk out of their house to the bus stop if they don't have a vehicle. Not many people are walking down the main streets, like in the New North End, where I live, they're on the side streets, getting their exercise. But like I say, if you're riding your bicycle down a sidewalk and somebody's coming towards you, you can avoid each other. You could literally stop and wait for the person to walk by you, or they could do the same for you. Never heard of anyone getting killed in a pedestrian bicycle collision on a sidewalk. If it's ever happened, and it probably has, it would be like lightning striking. You never realize till after you get hit and you're laying in the hospital bed, if you're fortunate enough to live from being hit by a vehicle that weighs 2,000 pounds or more, you never realize 
how arrogant you were and how wrong you were by fighting for the right to ride your bicycle in the road. One thing I've noticed too, folks, is when you're driving down Pine Street, for instance, or any street, they have the crosswalks and they press the button and the lights instantaneously start flashing and the vehicle is supposed to stop and the person on the crosswalk has the right to cross in front of you. But one thing I've noticed is that bicycles will come down the street and instead of waiting their turn for the vehicles to go by and then pulling out and taking either a left or a right like an automobile does, like bicycles are supposed to adhere by the rules of the road as if they were in motor vehicles. They're supposed to apply to the same rules and regulations of the road as a vehicle. But they don't. They come down the street, they go to the crosswalk, they press the button, so the traffic has to stop. And then they cross on their bicycles, and then they start going down the street again in the bike lane. That, folks, is totally wrong. You cannot act as a bicycle in a lane one second and then as a pedestrian on a crosswalk another. You have to apply by the rules of the road the same as vehicles. And they do have cops that ride around on bicycles nowadays and they can write tickets. And if they see people doing such a thing, they should probably write them a ticket or at least give them a warning to let them know that it's for your own safety and the safety of others. To get back to this article, it says dozens of Colchester Avenue residents would have to find a new place to park their cars under a proposed plan. City officials are looking at a parking ban for the north side of the street as part of an effort to revamp roads and sidewalks along the popular corridor of Colchester Avenue in Burlington. Colchester Avenue is constantly bustling with cars, pedestrians, and cyclists. And Burlington's Department of Public Works says it's trying to keep all of them safe with a proposal to ban parking on the north side of the street between East Avenue and Greenmont Cemetery. The corridor is down the street from the University of Mont, is often lined with college students, the idea is to replace those residential parking spots with a bike lane. It claims there is support and has been supported to make Colchester Avenue a safer way of allowing bicyclists to come in and out of the city. And so I don't see that wavering. I see that growing. I see that as a dilemma of what do we need to do with the current parking on the street, said Ward 1 City Councilor Sharon Boucher. UVM students like Spencer Rogers don't share her enthusiasm for the project. While it's not the end of the world, it definitely complicates things to the point where it's just another thing we have to worry about, he says. And it most definitely is. Like, where the heck am I supposed to park my car now? You pay rent. You got no parking spot. Because of a bike lane that most people only use for about three or four months out of the year in Vermont. And that's if it's not raining. And this year, folks, it's pretty much the same as last year. It's gonna rain 
just about every day until June, because that's what it did last year. According to the news channel that I watch, and I won't mention, but the chief meteorologist on there said that for the month, month of April, we had 23 days of rain. So, you didn't see a lot of bicycles out there 23 days for the month of April. So, I don't see any reason to take somebody's parking spaces in a state where pretty much nine months out of the year, nobody's riding their bicycles. So I don't think the support would be that great for taking somebody's parking spots and putting a bike lane there. So Spencer Rogers, the UVM junior says he and his five roommates already have enough on their plate as it is four of his household six vehicles that rely on those parking spots in the street. Already it's just a nightmare, so that would make it even worse, he said. But not for every student on this street. Our neighbors across the street, our neighbors right of us, are cyclists. Well, they are because they can't afford a vehicle. A lot of college students, they come here with their own vehicle. Others can't afford it. So they bicycle, or they walk, or they take the bus, take a Uber, whatever. For so many people, it's how we get to work and school, and every day I see people beside us riding back and forth on the street. There's a lot of traffic that rolls through here, so I think it would definitely be useful, said Gennaro Vallett, a UVM junior. For so many people, it's how we get to work and school, and every day I see people besides us riding back and forth on the street, and there's a lot of traffic, blah, 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 blah. So this is my solution. What they could do is over at Centennial Field, the parking lot goes down to Centennial Field and loops back around down to the cemetery, Bicycles could just ride through there. Case closed. Very simple. Instead of driving down Colchester Avenue on your bikes, taking people's parking spots, just go right around the backside of Centennial Field, down towards the cemetery. Very simple. You know, the city could come up with some money to put down a couple bike lanes, you know, paint some lines down there. Be a lot cheaper and easier to paint some bike lanes down at the back side of the baseball field. And a lot more people would be happy because when you live in a city where there's several hundred parking spots short already, you come home at night You've got a bunch of homework to deal with. You're a student or even lifetime long residents have been living there. A lot of these college students too, folks. They're only here for part of the year. If you purchase a home on Colchester Avenue, chances are pretty good you've got a 25 or 30 year mortgage. That's a lot of days to come home to be searching for a parking spot. But these college kids, 
riding their bicycles and they're only here for about half of the year. Just ride around the backside of Centennial Field parking lot and everybody's happy. So, saying that, we're going to go to another song here. This one is by Saga and it's called On the Loose. Hope you're enjoying the show so far.
right, and that was an old song by Saga called On the Loose. I saw this article right here. It says uh, Burlington City Councilor says to prepare for a busy construction season. You got that right. You know, for years I've talked about how there's no affordable housing in the city of Burlington. Apartment availability has always been about 2% on the average. And then it got down to about 1%. And now there's basically no apartment availabilities in Burlington. And it's pretty rare that you ever see them build any residential housing. But from the housing that I've seen they're building, a lot of it's not really affordable. Most of them seem like they're one-bedroom units, you know, maybe like 500 square feet, 700 fair feet. You know, I've seen one place advertising where it's one-bedroom unit, 900 square feet for like $2,000 a month, and you still have to pay your utilities and whatnot. I've seen a lot of places in California cheaper than that to rent for a one-bedroom unit. called greed folks city of Burlington like I've always said is at the mercy of a handful of people some of these people own hundreds of units I don't think that's right myself it used to be where you could buy a house you had to hold on to it for five years before you could sell it otherwise you'd pay most of your profits through capital gains but they got rid of all of that and now you turn on the HGTV channel and all you see are these flip it shows where people are buying houses, they're renovating them. You know, within like eight weeks, they're selling these houses back on the market and they're making like $50,000 profit. You know, how is the first time home buyers ever going to be able to afford their first home? They're being forced right out of their areas. That's what's happening in Vermont now, too. A lot of people being forced out of Vermont. But this article says, Burlington City Councilor says to prepare for a busy construction season. When driving through downtown Burlington, construction is almost impossible to miss. We're told more is on the way this summer. And the sad part about it is the traffic is so congested. I've been sitting on Pine Street, for example, and from the corner of Maple Street all the way back down to dealer.com is bumper to bumper. And they're at the mercy of that stop sign up there, the four-way intersection at Pine Street and Maple. And it doesn't matter which street that you go down. You can go down St. Paul Street. It's all construction going on over there. They've been putting in this high-rise on St. Paul Street for years now. The road's closed. The streets are just riddled with potholes. It looks like somebody carpet bombed the streets, literally. Just nothing but riddled with potholes. Especially when you go over to the top of Archibald Street by the cemetery. That place is terrible. And they went over there recently and they patched some of the potholes. But it's still really bad to drive your vehicle. And you can go out there nowadays. The average vehicle is probably about $35,000. 
And some people are paying like several years on these vehicles. And you're driving down these streets that are doing a lot of damage to your vehicles. That's your taxes being abused, folks. City never has money for anything. Last week I read an article how a lot of the ash trees are dying throughout the city. And the mayor and his administration want to replace a lot of them. It's going to cost well over a million dollars. Where the city's getting that money, I don't know. Where do they get the money for anything? A lot of it is through grants, state and federal. A lot of it is through bond issues to raise your property tax for like another five years or whatever. And have you anyone ever got a letter in the mail saying how that bond issue has sunsetted and now your taxes are going to go back down to what they were? No, never happens, folks. But like this article says, there's a lot of construction coming up this summer. The streets are all getting ripped apart. City Councilor Joan Shannon says there's a lot of good things happening in the city and things will probably get worse before they get better. Shannon says be prepared to see a lot of digging up the streets this year. We've already seen construction projects on St. Paul and Maple Streets, but the number of streets will only grow as we head into summer like Pine Street and Flint Avenue, to name a few. Flint Avenue is terrible also. This is where we're located at, folks, down at the media factory before the railroad tracks. Like I said, it's like somebody carpet bombed the streets, just ridiculed full of potholes. And some of these are pretty deep too. They can do a lot of damage to your vehicle if you're not very careful. Police could be following you down the road and pull you over and say, hey, you're uh, driving all over the road. I'm gonna give you a breath test for DWI. Uh, no, I was uh, dodging potholes. Hello, officer, right? Yeah. So, she says residents need to be patient with the process, and at the end of the day, it means they will have water lines relined, sewers replaced, and streets rebuilt. Well, that's all good. But until then, you're going to go through hell, you and your vehicle. Not to mention all of the noise in your neighborhood, the pollution that it caused with all the dust in the air, air pollution, noise pollution. One thing I've noticed is that couple of weeks or so ago, they had signs all over the city of Burlington saying they're going to get out the street sweepers. Going to be cleaning the winter debris off the streets, like the sand and the salt and whatnot. And some streets look pretty good, but I've noticed a lot of streets looks like the streeper didn't go down at all. And if they did, it might be just one side of the street. So I don't know what happened with that, folks. But they had the lights flashing on certain nights. So they said, if your streets has the flashing lights going on, then you can't park in the street. You gotta get your vehicle off the street. And if they do come along with the street sweepers to clean your street, and if your car is parked in the road, then you will get towed and you will get a ticket. But the street that I live on, folks, 
one side looks pretty good and the other side looks like they didn't touch it at all. So if anyone's listening out there from City Hall, whisper that in the mayor's ear. Tell him. He needs to get his vehicle, drive around through the city that he's the mayor in, and say, hey, I'm going to take some notes here, see which streets look like the street sweepers didn't go down them at all. Then I'm going to have a meeting with the street department and say, hey, aren't I paying you guys to be out there sweeping the streets? What the heck happened? A little piece of advice to the mayor and the people that run the street department. But it is a good thing that we are finally starting to get some housing. But as I said, is it affordable? When you see mostly one-bedroom units being built, and you're talking $2,000 a month. The one thing I've noticed a lot too, folks, is when you drive by these places, the bus stop out front, you see a lot of immigrants standing out there. And you know darn well, a lot of them aren't working. They don't speak English. They don't want to assimilate. I'm just telling you the way it is. And they're being subsidized. Subsidized to live in a 2000 dollar a month one bedroom apartment which I'm paying for and you're paying for you know I welcome everybody to come to America the greatest country in the world if you come here the proper way but if we're going to bring you in on a refugee program and you don't want to work and you're carrying the flag to your country and you're saying that everything we do over here offends you then I say I bid you fair adieu. You know, we could put you back on a plane and send you home. And that way I don't have to support you and your family for the rest of your life. Because the reality is, folks, it used to be that you could retire when you were about 62 to 65 years old. You pay in all your life. Regardless of who you're working for, if they're pulling Social Security out of you and whatnot, it's like a savings account. It's money in the bank that you are putting there every single week. Every paycheck that you get, money is being taken out of your check for Social Security and whatnot for you when you get older to draw from. But a lot of these people are coming to this country, never paid in a penny, but they're sitting home collecting full benefits. And from what I hear, they're collecting more than the average person collects. And like I said, you used to be able to retire when you were like 62 or 65. But nowadays, you'd retire when you're like 66 years old or 67. Or, you know, the millennials nowadays, they're probably not going to collect the full amount for Social Security until they're like 70 years old. Or by the time they hit 70 years old, there won't be any money in Social Security. And from what we've read over the years and decades... No matter who the president or the administration is, they've all been stealing money from the Social Security Department, replacing it with IOUs. And there's actually no money in a Social Security account. Just a bunch of IOUs and they just keep on printing money. Makes me wonder. 
if there's actually any more gold in Fort Knox. You know, our gold reservoir in the United States, where all the gold bars are, you know, they're probably not even real gold. They're probably like lead bars with gold paint on them. They should actually probably go into Fort Knox and check it out, see for certain. So this is something to look forward to, like I was saying. Summertime, streets are all going to be dug up. Traffic's going to be congested all throughout the city of Burlington, worse than it is now. I can say one thing. I live in the New North End, and when I go to work every morning, it takes me 15 to 20 minutes at the most to get to work in the south end of town. But when I get out in the afternoon at five o'clock and you hit that dealer.com traffic throughout town, it takes me about 40 minutes to get home, honestly. I'm going from 15 minutes in the morning, 20 the most, to 40 minutes on the average in the afternoon. It's terrible. I think maybe the city should be meeting with these businesses throughout the city and saying, okay, we need to have certain times of release for your employees to leave work in the afternoon. Some can leave at 3 in the afternoon, 4 in the afternoon, 5 in the afternoon, or 6 in the afternoon. But for it seems like most people get out of work at 5 o'clock It's frustrating to get through the city of Burlington. And it's uncalled for. I saw this article right here. It says uh, the uh, health department ramps up efforts to prevent measles in Vermont. We shouldn't even have measles in Vermont or the United States, folks. All these diseases are coming back. We haven't seen in like 50 years measles tuberculosis, whooping cough. And how is that? Some people aren't getting their children vaccinated, but that's okay because if there's no measles here, they're not going to get the measles. And there's no point really getting vaccinated. But this is it. Think about it logically. If people are coming into the United States from countries that have tuberculosis and measles and whooping cough and all these other diseases that we haven't seen in the United States in the last 50 years, if they are bringing these diseases into the United States, then the people that are unvaccinated are definitely most likely going to get the measles chicken pox, whooping cough, tuberculosis, just to name a few things. You know, when you have something like the chicken pox, folks, it's a good chance that later on in life that you could come down with the shingles, which they say is a very painful thing to go through. But says right here, 94.5% of the kids in Vermont schools are vaccinated. That's good, right? 
I don't know if it still is, but it used to be the law that if your children weren't vaccinated, they couldn't attend school because it would definitely go through the school system. And if one kid comes to school unvaccinated and they're all unvaccinated, which would be a perfect world, wouldn't it? But if one person comes to school with measles, they're all going to get it. And it says, there's still some pockets with low or even no vaccinations that has the health commissioner worried about measles. No cases of measles have been reported here, but the states surrounding Vermont are fighting cases. It kind of makes you wonder too, doesn't it? All these states surrounding Vermont have the measles, have cases of the measles, but Vermont doesn't. How is that possible? Maybe somebody's not reporting it to the public. Government has a way of doing that. They let you know what they want you to know. It's called fake news, folks. 21st century, 2019, we're still dealing with fake news. So it says, as of 2018 and 2019 school year, 114 schools reported below the recommended measles vaccination rate of 95%. To combat that, the health department immunization team is reaching out to schools, pediatric offices, and the public to work on getting more kids vaccinated. We'd hate to see a school with a 40% vaccination rate for MMR have one case introduced because that would mean that that would spread throughout the entire school, as I said, because so many of the kids would not be vaccinated because it's such a contagious virus, said Dr. Mark Levine, Vermont Health Commissioner. I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but there's a cruise ship that has people with the measles on it. And they return to port, but the ship has been quarantined. Nobody's allowed to come off of the ship until there's no sign of measles. Because, like they said, it's an airborne disease that's very contagious. And it'll only take one person to go into a school system and cause havoc. God only knows what percentage of the school students and the faculty would get the measles because, as it said, a lot of schools now are below 95% of vaccinated students and faculty. You know, it could be just the opposite. Scary thing nowadays. It's like I say, I've been saying it for years, you know, if you're smuggling somebody into the United States, just think about it. Chances are pretty good they're not vaccinated. They could come in here with a deadly disease and kills God knows only how many people. We live in a sanctuary city. Burlington, Vermont is. You can Google sanctuary states and it says that Vermont is a sanctuary state. It's right on Google. These people are coming in here illegally and our government is protecting them. 
That's called aiding and abetting a criminal. It's a prosecutable crime, folks. Why the federal government doesn't step in and come into these sanctuary cities and arrest all of these dictator politicians who think that we are no longer a part of the United States of America. That's the key word there, folks, the United States of America. When all these cities and states start creating their own laws to please their political party and not the people, that is a dictatorship. I don't think it should be tolerated. I think the federal government could come into these cities and states and just start arresting these politicians and show them that this isn't your city. This isn't your state. You are not Fidel Castro. You are not Vladimir Putin. You will respect our ways and our flag. And you should stand for the anthem and be a proud citizen and thank God every second of the day that you're fortunate enough to live in the greatest country in the world. Because some people, where they come from, and I feel sorry for them, all they have is devastation, war, hunger, violence, filth, diseases. I could go on forever. A lot of these people love to come to the United States. It's like I've always said. You live in a world of such hardships and you're lucky enough to make it into the United States. And you go into a grocery store, for instance. Most grocery stores, you walk in to the produce department. Pretty much every vegetable and fruit from around the world is right there at your beck and call. You have the money, you can buy as much as you want. Then you walk over to the bakery and they have all these pastries and breads and whatnot. And then you look at the deli department and the meat department. You know, these stores, they have just a complete aisle of nothing but potato chips, for instance. You know, isn't that the greatest country in the world? They have an aisle of just alcohol bottles of wine, an aisle full of soda, ice cream. If I was from a third world country and I was fortunate enough to make it to the United States and I was in a store like this looking around, I would be thinking that I had died and gone to heaven, right? I would thank the Lord. And if anybody came up to me and said, hey, uh, Louie, you want to put this uh, vest bomb on and blow up the store? I'd be like, uh, you know, you need to get away from me right now. Because if anyone's going to get sacrificed, it's going to be you, right? Because I'm in America, the greatest country in the world, where they have an aisle of just potato chips or ice cream or soda or beer. You know, that's what's great about the United States of America is that if you can think it, you can go to the store and buy it. The chances are pretty good that if you can think of something, you can go to a store and 99% of the time, it's there for you to buy. Isn't that insane?
That's the greatest country in the world right there, folks. And when I see people coming here, waving the flag of their country, and saying that our flag of the Stars and Stripes offends them, our national anthem offends them, our holidays offend them, right? This is a really bad part here, too. Dogs. Some people don't like dogs. In their countries, they kill dogs. They think they're evil. What kind of a person doesn't love a dog, huh? Even the ugliest dog in the world is your best friend. I mean, they are the loyalest animal in the world. Dogs and cats. How can you not love a dog or a cat, right? And I say to anybody that doesn't love dogs and cats... Maybe you should just get on a plane and go back to where you come from. Because we're making America great again. That's what we're doing, folks. We're making America great again. So if anything in the United States offends you, go back to your country and make your country great. That's my piece of advice to you. Nobody forced you to come here. Nobody's telling you that you can't celebrate your religion or your beliefs. So don't come here and tell us that we can't celebrate ours. That's what I got to say. So with that, we're going to go to another song. This is a real old one right here from 1973 by Mr. J. Giles. Once again, you're listening to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. And here we go with Mr. Jay Giles with a song called Back to Get You. I'm trying to get 
That was a song by Jay Giles called Back to Get You from 1973, I believe it said. So, I saw this article right here, and it says, Vermont lawmakers ponder restoring prison good time. You're saying, well, what the heck is that about? Well, let's see. It says, uh, Vermont lawmakers are considering steps to make it easier for prison inmates to reduce the length of their sentences through good behavior or acts of heroism. Well, what kind of acts of heroism are you going to perform when you're in prison? You're basically, a lot of them, are in their cell for most of the day. Then they'll get to go out in the courtyard and get some sunshine for about an hour. So I don't know how they're going to create any acts of heroism in prison. That doesn't really seem to make much sense, does it? But it says, the previous good time system was repealed in 2005 because it was thought to be too complex. Currently, only prison work camp inmates can earn shorter sentences. The legislative is considering a number of proposals, one that would allow inmates and offenders on furlough to earn a five-day sentence reduction for every month without a major discipline violation. <laughs> Incentives for good behavior and rewarding that good behavior is much more effective than pure punishment. Well, you know, folks, if you don't do the crime, you're not going to be doing any time, right? And for getting out, for good time showed, for acts of heroism, I'm just not seeing it. Depends what the crime is. Now, if somebody's selling some marijuana and it's not so frowned upon as it was the old days, because in the old days, if you're selling drugs, you were a drug dealer. Regardless of what it was you were selling, whether it was marijuana, speed, acid, cocaine, heroin, the judge looked down on you as a drug dealer. But now they're legalizing marijuana for recreational purposes all across the United States. And maybe one day in the future, the Supreme Court will vote on it like they did gay marriage. And they'll pass it throughout all of the 57 states, according to Obama, right? How the heck can anyone become the president of the United States when you go around saying there's 57 states? You know, folks, I've always been an independent, but if I was a Democrat, I would definitely be thinking twice about that guy. I mean, you can go to a kid in elementary school, probably a second or third grader, maybe even sooner, maybe first grade, maybe kindergarten, who knows? Kid's pretty smart. And say, how many states are in the United States? How many do you think would say 57? 
And the ones that did say 57 would probably most likely be because their parents told them there was 57 states because their parents got that info from Obama. That's why, folks, it is very important to teach civics in school, to teach about the Constitution, to teach about your rights. They don't teach any of that anymore. They don't teach cursive writing. They haven't for about a dozen years in Vermont, from what I understand. Because, let's say, you were looking at the Constitution, and that's written in cursive. You wouldn't even know what you were reading or trying to read because you were never taught to read or write in cursive. So therefore, if you're looking at the Constitution, you have no idea what your rights are. There's people that live outside of this country who knows what the Constitution says. Seems to me like the Democrats are trying to erase history. They're trying to tear down a lot of the statues throughout the United States. You know, statues pertaining to the Civil War because mostly the Civil War was started over slavery. The South mostly wanted slaves to pick their cotton. The North wanted to free the slaves. It was like 11 states that pulled out of the Union because they wanted to protect slavery. So then the war started, regardless of what you think. They have these statues all over the country with these war heroes like Robert E. Lee and whatnot. And a lot of them were great soldiers before the Civil War. But, in my opinion, and this show is not a news agency, it is an opinion show, it's my show, it's what I discuss with people, and the ideas get bounced off of others, and I kind of spread them on the airwaves. But in my opinion, the Democrats do not want you to know that they have always supported slavery. The Democrats do not want you to know that they are the ones that founded the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, which used to abuse and kill black people, drag them right out of their house in the middle of the night and hang them, beat them, whatever. Very sad history. All founded by the Democrats. Senator Robert Byrd is deceased, but when he was alive, not that long ago, in the 70s, he was the head of the Ku Klux Klan. He was a senator from North Carolina, I believe. There's pictures of Senator Robert Byrd, the head of the Ku Klux Klan, with his arms around Hillary Rodham Clinton. And she would say that he was her mentor. That's pretty sick, isn't it?
pretty sick. You know, I don't understand how anybody could vote for Hillary Rodham Clinton, knowing that, especially black people. So I think the Democrats want to erase history by tearing down these statues, by not teaching civics in school. They have these websites called snops.com, S-O-N, I mean S-N-O-P-E-S.com. To me, they spin history. You can go there and read these articles. You know, and incidences in history are no longer the fault of the Democrats. Instead, they spin history to make it look like the fault is on the shoulders of the Republicans, and the Republicans are evil people. But if you study history, folks, you'll see that during the civil marches, the civil rights movement, the Republicans always voted yes for civil rights for all people. And the Democrats always voted no for the rights of minorities. It's a terrible thing in the 21st century people are still hating on each other because of their background or their skin color. Martin Luther King must be rolling in his grave. And if he was here today, I don't think people would be acting the way that they are. He was a great man, Martin Luther King. I always looked up to him. I've been on the airways for about probably 25 years now, off and on regular. And I've always looked up to Martin Luther King. I always spoke very highly of him. He was a great man. So, like I was saying, how Vermont lawmakers ponder restoring prison good time depends on your crime. Some people are violent offenders. Some of these people, I don't think they should ever get out of prison. There's a lot of people who are silver killers. This is what gets me is there's something on the news every night when you turn on the local news in Vermont. It's about this guy that was driving on I-89, which is basically the only highway that we have here in Vermont. It's two lanes going north and two lanes going south throughout the state. Basically the only highway that we have in Vermont. So this guy gets pulled over by the police. Gives the police a hard time. I think he punched the cop or whatever. Then he gets in the police car and drives off towards Burlington. And then he comes back. And there was a carload of young kids in it. It was like five of them. Slammed right into them and some other cars. They all died. Somehow this guy lived, right? I don't understand how this guy lived, but these five kids in the car, they died. And every day they're reporting the case on the news. Just that alone, folks, 
is enough to put this guy on death row. ASAP. He doesn't need to be in jail for the rest of his life getting three meals a day and room and board, free medical, dental, and education so he can become a jailhouse lawyer to look for some loophole to work his way out of the crime. He doesn't need that. Every day you turn on the news or discussing this case. You know, I don't even want to discuss this, but they're saying like when he hit these five kids in the car, the car caught on fire and they all burned to death and they had to identify them by their dental records. God help us all, huh? That somebody should sit in court and defend this guy for days after weeks, after months, after years. This has been going on for a long time. This guy still hasn't been convicted by a jury. It should take a jury about two seconds to give this guy the death penalty. Imagine that. Having to identify these children by their dental records. You know, and some bleeding heart liberal attorney is in court defending this guy. If our founding fathers were here, folks, They'd hang this guy by the neck. I don't even know if they would put him in front of this firing squad and waste a bullet on this guy. It's a terrible thing. And these guys that do get the death penalty like this, right? These guys will sit on death row until they die of natural causes. The majority of them. And then the ones that do get the legal injection, they'll bring them down, get them a last meal, lay them down on the bed. They give them like three different shots. One is to put you to sleep. One is to slow down your heart. And the third shot, I believe, is to stop your heart and kill you. And God forbid that this monster of a serial killer so much as twitches anywhere between that first and third shot then all these bleeding heart liberals are outraged they want the end of the death penalty you know how inhumane is that this guy was two seconds literally from death his heart was about to stop and he twitched well you know folks what about the five kids that burned in the car to death, right? What about the police officer that got abused? What about the other people's cars that all got smashed? What about those people? That's what I say. Myself, personally, as far as these people in prison, getting out for good behavior, I'd have to think very hard about that. A lot of these people, when they're in prison, you know, they get out, nobody wants to hire them. It's just the way it is. So they go back to the life of crime. And God only knows how many people are going to be suffering because of that. A lot of people go towards selling drugs because it's quick and easy money. A lot of times you can get caught. Next day you're out on bail. 
walk in the streets again. Then when you get a citation to go to court, most of the time they don't even show up. And if they do, they have some slick talking attorney because they can afford it. Because a lot of these people were selling hardcore drugs like heroin and fentanyl. Even marijuana is very, very, very expensive nowadays, folks. They say, well, you know, Louis, back in your day, about a million years ago, when your generation, the baby boomers, were smoking marijuana, it didn't cost very much. And it didn't. A lot of people grew it out in the woods themselves, folks. And there's nobody coming around to bust you. But nowadays, they kind of like have it down to a science. And they say the THC content is like 10 times stronger than it was back in those days. Well, that really gives you something to think about, doesn't it? If they didn't want to legalize marijuana 100 years ago when I was a kid, they had a lot of good reasons. And it was called the war on drugs because they didn't want it to lead to anything stronger like cocaine or heroin. But that war's over, folks. The liberals running the state of Vermont have thrown in the white flag. They surrender to the war on drugs. Now they want to legalize marijuana. And everybody knows, like I've said a billion times, you can go to City Hall, get a copy of the budget, and you'll see that over 90% of your taxes, which are supposed to go to the infrastructure, take the fire department, for instance, in the city of Burlington. They spend over 90% of their budget on fire trucks? No. Ambulances? No. They spend it on their own salaries and benefits. Same with the police department, the water department, the electric department. Doesn't leave any money for ambulances, folks. So then they have to have a bond. Raise your property tax to buy an ambulance. I hate sounding like a broken record. Because like I said, I've said this a billion times, but people just don't get it. This one guy on Facebook today was denying it. He's saying, Louie, most of your taxes don't go towards salaries and benefits. Stop spreading that BS, he said. And I said to him very nice and politely, why don't you go get a copy of your city budget? Because it doesn't have to necessarily be the city of Burlington, Vermont. It's all throughout the United States. This is what politicians have learned. Spend all your budget on your salaries and benefits. Nobody's going to do nothing about it. Because one politician is no different from the other nowadays. They're all corrupt. Nobody's going to do nothing about nothing. It's been like that for decades. As far as I've been talking on the radio and TV. They just passed a law in Vermont where they are doubling the taxes on heating fuels. Imagine that. Not raising taxes. Not even raising them 100%, which is insane. They are doubling the taxes on heating fuels. And everybody knows that Bernie Sanders himself and Mr. Kennedy 
of the Kennedy clan, right? We've all seen the commercials. They're dealing with Colombia. I mean, Venezuela. Getting oil from Venezuela to bring back to Vermont, for instance, to give it to the needy at a reduced price. Which is a good thing. I'm not so sure if they're doing it anymore because we all seen what happened to Venezuela. The socialism that the liberals want to force down the throats of Americans. It's not cutting it over there, folks. They have no food in the stores. Everybody's standing in a bread line. Everybody has numbers written on their arm telling you where to go get your bread and your water and whatnot, your welfare. That's what socialism is, folks. It's welfare. You go stand in line, they give you a loaf of bread and a gallon of water or something or milk. Nobody has to really work anymore. That's what this country's coming to. Nobody wants to work. But like I was saying, how the state of Vermont just passed a law doubling the taxes on heating fuels. And they say, well, what we're going to do is take that money and we're going to give it back to the people to subsidize them to weatherize, right, weatherize their homes. Well, it's not up to government to double tax me to help weatherize people's homes, to subsidize people. It's not up to government to do anything like that. And what they don't tell you is all of these people that are creating these laws to double your taxes, the majority of them are landlords. They own rental units. And with a lick of common sense, you know they're going to take that money from you. It's going to double your taxes on heating fuels. And they are going to take that money and subsidize who? Uh, Let's look back at history and see who they're going to subsidize. They're going to subsidize themselves. That's what they're going to do. You know it. I know it. History proves it. They're going to double tax you on your heating fuels. And they're going to take that money. And they're going to go and weatherize their own homes and rental properties at yours and my expense. Bam. It's exactly what they're going to do. You know it, I know it. Another thing right here, folks, like I said, the legalization of marijuana. They say, well, it's not legal yet for recreational purposes for smoking or turning into foods, edibles, right? So we'll grow it. We'll take the chemicals out of it for medicinal purposes. And this article says they were supposed to be hemp plants, but state authorities say they were pot plants instead. The plants were found at Peach Greens, a large organic vegetable farm in Craftberry. The operators of Peach Greens were growing the plants on behalf of the Champlain Valley Dispensary. Peach Greens say they were under the impression the plants were hemp. To be hemp, they must contain less than 0.3% THC. 
that you can't smoke and get high off of or turn into edibles and get high off of. It's hemp. It's mostly for using for materials for like clothing and whatnot. So, the Vermont agriculture officials tested the plants and they found they contained 21% THC and therefore were pot slash marijuana. They reached out to the police to find out if there were any charges in the case. We had not yet heard back when the story was published. No, folks, there's no charges because it is an organic farm that is turning into a hemp slash pot farm for when they legalize it for recreational purposes, probably at the end of this year or definitely next year, I would say. So, of course, there's no charges. These organic slash hemp slash pot farms are going to be springing up everywhere. And a lot of them are going to be right in people's garages or their basements or their attics. According to the law now in Vermont, you can have four marijuana plants for recreational purposes. Two mature plants and two immature plants. But, as I say, I don't think the cops are going to be getting up out of the donut shop to come bust you because you might have six or seven plants. It's the newest trend, folks. There's going to be a marijuana store on every corner soon where you can go buy different types of pot to smoke which they say is like 10 times stronger than what it was back in my day. It's kind of scary, isn't it? I don't even know if I want to smoke any marijuana nowadays. They say it's like 10 times stronger or so. Sounds dangerous. Sounds like people could literally overdose smoking marijuana if it's that strong. And then I've read articles right here on the show saying how nowadays they're lacing marijuana with fentanyl. So you smoke that and all of a sudden, bam, you're addicted to fentanyl. You're no longer going down to the marijuana store to buy a couple bowls of pot or some edibles. You're out going down some back alley looking to buy some fentanyl or some heroin. I've read these articles here, folks. I've read some crazy stories how they take fentanyl and they'll like put some on the steering wheel of somebody's car. So you're driving down the road, you got your hands on the steering wheel, and this powder on there, they say it doesn't take a lot, doesn't take very much. This fentanyl is so powerful, they say that's like 10 times stronger than heroin. That's very scary, very addictive. They were saying how somebody can spread a little bit of this fentanyl powder on the steering wheel of your car, and you got your hands on the steering wheel, and a lot of people are touching their face and they're rubbing their nose and putting their hands in their mouth and stuff. Next thing you know, you're addicted to fentanyl and you don't even know it. People, these drug dealers, folks, they are that low. You're just a meal ticket to them. They don't care about you or your family. They don't care how many people overdose and die, how many families and friendships are ruined. 
That's why you see in some countries, when they catch these drug dealers like that, they just execute them right on the spot. Is that showing any respect for the drug dealer? Of course not. But then again, they don't care if you overdose and drop dead right in front of them. They just want your money. Sad. It's like I say, this is the newest wave, this legalization of marijuana for recreational purposes. And then, I've read articles right here last year saying how the state of Vermont, there are 17 distilleries coming online throughout the state of Vermont last year. I can only imagine how many are coming online this year. This article says uh, wherever you go in Vermont, you're bound to find a brewery. There's more than 50 in the state. Imagine that, more than 50 breweries in a tiny state like Vermont where there's a little over 600,000 people. And another business could be on the brewer's heels, and it says that's distilleries. The Vermont Distillers Council says there are almost 30 licensed distilleries in Vermont. It's catching up to the brewery business, isn't it? Just like 20 behind them. It's coming up to be a close race. They make products ranging from barrel-aged gin to maple-infused whiskey, and more than one-third of these distilleries have popped up in the last 20 years, many in just the last 10. Well, you know, I said last year, I read an article right here saying how there's going to be 17 distilleries coming online in Vermont just last year alone. So I think their figures are kind of off there. Galen... Etlin spoke with Savon Cotel of Stonecutter Spirits in Middlebury about the growing trend. Now, the Savon Cotel, I believe he was the one that was on the news the other night, and uh, he and some people started Stonecutter Spirits in Middlebury. But, like he said, he started out at Whistlepig, and he was a second in command, but then he kind of went off on his own with some people and started stone cutters down to Middlebury. He was saying how uh, he's on the council. They have meetings. They talk about the ins and outs of having a distillery in Vermont, how technical it is, but it's not technical at all, folks. You know, you can call the Department of uh, Firearms, Tobacco, and Alcohol in Montpelier speak with a Mr. Delaney and he'll tell you that the state of Vermont doesn't argue with the federal government. You need a class six license for your distillery. You're gonna need a class four license for the still itself. And then you need to have those two licenses in your hand and he will come to your property or wherever your distillery is gonna be and make sure that the doors are secured. If the doors are secured so nobody can get in there and steal your alcohol, then bam, you are in the distillery business. It's not complicated. I asked him myself, I said, uh, is somebody gonna come over and say, hey, you need certain drains in the floor, you need a certain sink, you need a bathroom, you need fire extinguishers, you need a sprinkler system, are you gonna need all of this? Do you need certain exits? And he said, no. All you need to show me is a Class 6 license for the distillery, 
a class four license for the still itself. And you need to show me that there are locks on the door and the alcohol is cured. And I said, so someone would not come over to the property from your department and say, you need all of these things. And he said, no, I myself am the person that comes over to inspect your property. And you show me those two licenses and there's a lock on the door and you are in the distillery business. Very simple folks. Now you need different licenses. If you're going to have a website and sell it through your website, you need a certain license. If you're going to sell it to the liquor stores, you need a certain license. If you're going to sell it to restaurants, you need a certain license, different categories, different prices. These prices go anywhere from like $600 to $1,500. State of Vermont is not a large state. So most likely you would be trying to sell it into the liquor stores. And they probably average about a dollar a bottle that the state is going to take. That's their cut. Grocery stores, they don't have the license to sell yet like they do in other states like California. You can go to other states, folks, like California, and they have an aisle for beer. They got an aisle for wine. They got an aisle or so for liquor. There's no liquor stores. It's not controlled like in the state of Vermont. So that would be your best option in a small state like Vermont is to sell it to the liquor stores. That's where most people flock to to buy their liquor. So when I see this guy on the news saying how it's a complex thing to have a distillery in the state of Vermont, that's not true at all, folks. Little food for thought. But like I said, there's not enough people in the state of Vermont to tax to pay the exuberant salaries of Vermont government employees. And the government's the largest employer. If you get a copy of your city budget, you will see that a lot of these people are making over $100,000 a year. And some of those people are teachers who don't even work a half a year. The student calendar is 180 days in Vermont. 365 days a year, folks. Teachers are always telling you, pay attention to math. Someday you're going to need this math. Well, the day is today, folks. You need this math to figure out that there's 365 days a year. And if the teachers, the student calendar is 180 days, that's less than half of a year, folks. And a lot of these teachers are making over $100,000 a year or less than half a year. And a lot of teachers marry one another. So your taxes are paying each one of them over $100,000 a year. So that's over $200,000 a year in one household at taxpayers' expense in a small state of Vermont where there is a little over 600,000 people. That's not even talking about the teachers' pensions or the government employee pensions. 
state of Vermont is in the hole over $4 billion because of pensions alone. There's no way out, folks. And even legalizing all of these breweries, all of these distilleries that are coming on board, all of these stores that are going to be selling marijuana in the near future and edibles, right, to smoke and eat. The only purpose is to gain more taxes to pay for their salaries. You know, not to switch tracks or anything, but when they created recycling in the state of Vermont, you know, some states they pay you for your recycling, but in Vermont, you're charged whether you want to recycle or not. So you're charged through your garbage hauler for recycling. And they tell you it's for the good of the planet. We all have to pitch in to save Mother Earth. And that's true. And it's a good thing. But When they said the price of green glass went down on Wall Street and it was no longer profitable to recycle, they said, just throw it away. And I'm like, what? Aren't we supposed to be recycling to save the planet? But now because the stock went down on a stock market on green glass, we're supposed to throw it away? How hypocritical is that? What kind of a future are we leaving for our children? The government is just lying to us, consistently lying to us, brainwashing people to think you're doing good for the planet when all they care about is generating more money so they can pay themselves larger salaries and benefits. Recently, we see that President Trump is slapping tariffs on China. The Chinese don't like it. So one way they're retaliating is by not buying a lot of our recyclables, paper and cardboard and whatnot. So all of these city officials throughout the United States are saying, well, the Chinese aren't buying all of our recyclables and it's piling up. We don't know what to do with it because we sell our recycling in the United States, apparently. We don't actually recycle ourselves and make recycled products as much as we want people to think that we are. Proof is in the pudding. So they say, if the Chinese don't start buying our recyclables again, we're just going to discontinue the programs. No more recycling because there's no money in it. The Chinese aren't buying our recyclables anymore. Paper, cardboard, plastics, whatnot. So much for saving Mother Earth, right folks? There's no profit to be made, so the government is saying we're thinking about discontinuing the recyclable programs. It's crazy, isn't it? They're telling us all these years, you have to save the planet. 
You have to recyclable. You have to think about your children. You have to think about making a better world to hand over to your children. But then they say, ah, no one's buying our stuff anymore. We're not going to recycle this stuff. You kidding? Tell us it's garbage. Not making any money? Guess what? Throw it in the dump. That's right. Throw it in the dump. How hypocritical is that, folks? I don't know. It's all about profit and greed. Time is 7.41. Two hours goes by like the blink of an eye when you're here, folks. It's just so much to talk about. I could literally probably stay in this booth forever. There's just so much corruption going on in the world. But instead... We're going to play another song. And this is called Why Me by the Planet Project. And once again, you're listening to Louie Live, and I'm your host, Louie, and we are definitely live. And I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Here we go.
All right, that was the Planet Project with a song called Why Me. Another one-hit wonder band. So, I saw this article. Northern New York taxi driver fined for cheating asylum seekers. How terrible is that, right? A northern New York taxi driver is in trouble again for cheating asylum seekers fleeing to the border. In 2017, a judge ordered Christopher Crowning Shield to stop overcharging foreign nationals. Foreign nationals, that's a good one, huh? Foreign nationals. It's a good name for illegal immigrants. Who were arriving in Plattsburgh and seeking rides to the Canadian border? Prosecutors said at the time that Crowning Shield was charging up to $300 for a ride that should have cost $75. The Attorney General's office found that Crowning Shield ignored the court order and continued to overcharge passengers. He's now been hit with a $10,000 fine for contempt of court and will serve three weekends in jail. What a travesty, huh, folks? I mean, people sneak into the United States. They get free medical, free dental, free welfare, free food stamps, free housing. In some states, like New Jersey, passed a law last year saying how now they get free college education. And a lot of them are saying that nowadays. Presidential Democratic candidate Joe Biden Creepy Joe said on the news the other day that we must give illegal immigrants free education. Can you imagine that, folks? This is a guy, Joe Biden, who was the vice president of the United States for eight years under Obama, who never did a nickel worth of anything for anybody. You know, those guys spent like eight years destroying this country. The proof is in the pudding. Remember how unemployment used to be like 28 weeks and then it ran out? And then Obama extended it to like 56 weeks and then that ran out and nobody still had a job? Unemployment just kept going up and up and up. Then he extended unemployment to like 99 weeks. Can you imagine that, folks? Pushing two years on unemployment. And then when that ran out and nobody had a job, and I saw this like on, it was either Dateline or 60 Minutes one night, where these whistleblowers were coming forward who worked for the government saying that after your unemployment ran out after like 99 weeks, imagine that, then they would put these people on disability. And they were saying how it was very easy for a doctor to put like an average 40-year-old man because like when you hit 40 years old, folks, nobody wants to hire you anymore because you're in the heart attack range and the high blood pressure range and the failing kidney range and on and on and on. So nobody wants to hire you. The insurance companies don't want you. So after 99 weeks of unemployment, Obama and his administration were putting people on disability. And they're saying it was easy because they could say you had a bad back, you had fibromyalgia, arthritis, anything. Doctors would just write you right off put you on disability. That way, the unemployment stayed at about like 9%. But in all actuality, it was probably more like 20% across this great nation of ours with 57 states, as Obama used to say. 
terrible, huh? These women were on the news one night saying how one doctor was averaging about 60 people a day he was seeing and writing them off and putting them all on disability, Social Security and whatnot. You work all your life, you pay into it. You're actually entitled to disability, Social Security, Medicare, all that, because you pay into it all your life, out of your paycheck, or every time you go into the gas station and pay for gas and you're taxed, whether you buy a soda, a beer, bag of potato chips, a hamburger, anything, you are taxed to death in the United States. And that money all goes into a pot for your Social Security, Medicare, whatever, down the road. You were entitled to that, folks. You paid into it all your life. The streets should be a lot better in the city of Burlington, where I live. Wherever you live, the streets should be literally paved with gold because that's how much you are taxed. If we took in all the billions and billions of dollars every year that we pay to these third world countries that hate our guts and chant in the street, death to America, right? The people that want to come over here and get involved in our politics and take over and behead all of us. Yes, we see it on the news, folks. That is reality. Down in the school in Pennsylvania, we saw on the news the other day, they were singing songs about taking over the United States and beheading all of the people that don't support Sharia law right here in the United States of America, folks. Pennsylvania. That school should have been shut down. Those people should have been arrested, deported, exiled, just getting the heck out of the United States. People like that that want to come here and take over and cut our heads off. I mean, what's going on with this country? What happened? It's like we're in a bad movie of Back to the Future with Marty and Doc. You know, they go back in time they don't intend to do anything wrong or screw up the future, but every little thing that you do in the past throws off the future. And they come back, and all of a sudden, Biff is the mayor, and he's turned City Hall into a big casino. That's where we're at, folks. It's like we're in the wrong time dimension. Something, you know, inter overlapped with different time dimensions. And something definitely went wrong. And now, thank God we have a president in office that wants to make America great again. And we've seen, just the two years he's been in office, unemployment is at an all-time low. It's the lowest it's ever been for women, for Hispanics, for black people, everybody in general across the United States. Unemployment is the lowest it's ever been in the history of the United States. They're building more housing now in the state of Vermont than they have probably in all the last 50 years combined, just in the past couple of years. Wages are going up. People are getting bonuses at their jobs. Taxes have been cut across the board. And still, you have to turn on the media 
regardless, because 99% of the media is liberal and they all have Trump derangement syndrome. And we have to listen to them saying how there's a constitutional conflict going on right now. Well, there's been four separate investigations over the last couple of years, right? They had Trump Towers bugged with listening devices. That's a proven fact. It's when Obama weaponized the FBI and the DOJ going after presidential candidate Donald Trump. Nobody else. Here James Comey was on the news just today saying that the FBI puts people into the campaigns, secret informants into the campaigns of all the elections. But yet he's to name anybody that was put in as an informant to anybody else's election besides Donald Trump. Put anybody in Hillary's election? Any secret informants? No, there's no evidence of it. There's no mention of it. There's no leaks of it. Just Donald Trump. Highly illegal and treasonous what happened there with Obama, his administration, the FBI, and the DOJ. Getting down to the bottom of it, folks, we have a new attorney general, Mr. Barr. Seems like a straight shooter. He's even sat before Congress and said there was spying done. In his opinion, the proof he has seen, there was spying done by Obama and his administration against Donald Trump during his election. And to this very day, still going on, acts of treason. There's been four different investigations in the Russian collusion and corruption. None was found. As far as obstruction of justice goes, they were saying that Donald Trump was going to fire everybody. He didn't fire anybody, he really fired James Comey. And that was at the recommendation of Rosenstein, who was his boss. And everybody in Washington hated James Comey's guts. And when his boss is referring to the Congress and the president to fire him because he's a dirty cop, well, then you have to listen to your advisors. They fired him, and the investigation kept on going. President Trump was on the news every night. The press was saying how he was going to fire Robert Mueller, put an end to the investigation. But we had people like Rudy Giuliani on TV every night saying how President Trump wasn't going to fire Robert Mueller. Trey Gowdy was on the news every night. Devin Nunes, Lindsey Graham, all saying how they weren't going to fire Robert Mueller and put an end to the investigation. They didn't. So that was no obstruction of justice there. They let it play out for over two years. Tens of millions of tax dollars wasted, folks. And the Mueller report was about 400 pages. And they say only 2% of it is redacted, meaning it's blocked out so you can't read it. 2%. And the people that have seen the unredacted reports, they're allowed to go there, all these congressmen, 
and view it in person, in private, but they want it presented in front of Congress, which is highly illegal because there are government agents there whose identities would be involved and you can't out these people because then they and their families' lives would be in danger. But they're all invited to go there in private and read the unredacted report of Robert Mueller, which is about 400 pages. And Attorney General Barr says, I spent dozens of hours in front of the committees answering questions and whatnot. He says, I don't have to answer to James Comey or Robert Mueller because he is the boss. And his exact words he said were, this is my baby now. And we've had enough of investigations. When we have four different investigations and nobody's taking your word for nothing because Robert Mueller knows that he dragged us on for years and now the investigation is pointing at him and his coup d'etat who was trying to unseat the President of the United States with a phony dossier that they knew was paid for by Hillary Clinton. It's coming down, folks. A lot of indictments are coming down. And these Democrats are going to be prosecuted for treason. So I'm going to let you go, and I'll see you back here next week. And I hope you enjoyed the show today.